Let's stand and let's pray before we get into God's Word. Lord Jesus, please be here. Lord Jesus, please speak into each and every one of our hearts. Lord, I pray that your word, your double-edged sword, would pierce our hearts, convict us of the truth, convict us of sin, encourage us, strengthen us, and help us run the race for your glory. Jesus, we need your strength, we need your power, and we need you to open our eyes, so please be present with us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. So let's get the PowerPoint. Before we go into the PowerPoint, um, and Igor, I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you exactly when to switch the PowerPoints. I'm going to try to be good about that. Guys, what did we talk about yesterday? The, I had two main points. What was the first one? Examples, right? Who are your examples? Who are you looking up to? And we become like the people we look up to. What was the second point? Endurance. How do we have endurance? Say that again. Looking to Jesus. And how did Jesus do it? He looked forward to the reward for the joy that was set before him. Amen? All right. Open your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look first at verse 4. First at verse 4. Hebrews 12, verse 4. <clears throat> and this is going to be your first fill-in-the-blank. I know some of you guys are crazy about it. First fill-in-the-blank, Hebrews 12, 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted... Next slide. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Next slide. Can someone nudge the people up there in the video? Okay, it looks like they're fixing There you go. Okay. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's think about what this statement says. What is the... Just, guys, I want you to do this as you read God's Word. As you read, I want you to think about what is the author inspired by the Holy Spirit trying to communicate here, right? And... and Look at, I want you to, I want us to realize, guys, the standard that the Word of God sets for us when it comes to our struggle against sin, meaning against our fight against our own sin, our fight for our holiness. What the Word of God says is that in our spiritual battles, we need to be ready to even shed our own blood, spill our own blood. Basically our life, the cost of our life. That is, that is the standard that the Word of God says. Our holiness, guys, is worth everything in this life. Our holiness is worth everything. And yet so often, we give up so quickly, do we not? Right? We, we, we start getting tempted. And as soon as it just gets even a little difficult, as soon as there's a little bit of resistance, we give up. 
As soon as it starts to take a little bit of time to fight our sin, well, this is taking too much time. I quit. As soon as it gets a little inconvenient, as soon as it gets a little uncomfortable, a little frustrating, just throw up the white flag. I'm done. I quit. I give up. Take what you want. Because I was talking to a guy, and he, you know, in college, and he had a big exam to study for. And, you know, this was a very important one, deciding kind of the grade of the class, maybe if he could pass the class or not, I don't remember. But he's studying for this exam, and he only has, you know, a couple hours to study for this exam. And he's telling me that I sit down to study, and all of a sudden I start getting all these just temptations and lustful thoughts just start coming into his head. And he's sitting there, and, you know, 10 minutes into it, he's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm getting zero studying done right now. All I'm doing is just fighting my sin. That's all I'm doing. I'm just, I'm fighting off the temptations. I'm just praying and, and, and like on the edge, hoping I don't sin right now. And the next thought comes, well, how long is this going to be going for? You only have three hours to study. And this could mean your grade. This could mean potentially you even passing this class. You're going to have to take it again, right? You're going to mess up your GPA. Just give in. Just give in. And he's sitting there and he's praying and it gets harder and harder because he understands with every passing minute that's less and less time to study and he won't be able to. There's going to be real consequences for not studying. And then that thought occurs to him that even if he needs to spend the next three or four or five hours, whatever it was, on his knees praying and fighting this sin, even if it costs him the grade on the exam, even if it costs him the grade in the class, even if it costs him his GPA, his degree, whatever it is, it is worth it. It is worth it. Because this is, not, this is not just something small at stake. This is His holiness, guys. And I'm never going to forget that. When He said it's His holiness that is at stake. Guys, whatever it is, it's worth it laying down for our holiness. And that's exactly what this passage says. That you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of your blood. I know we've all failed that. I know none of us have shed our blood in our resistance against sin. But that is the standard that the Word of God sets. So guys, let us take heart. Let us fight. Let us fight until the bloody end. Whatever it takes, but to be holy, to walk purely in God's eyes. Guys, let us not be quick to quit. Let us not be so quick to roll over, wave the white flag in our battle against sin because, guys, it is better to die trying than to surrender and stay alive, quote-unquote. We are fighting a holy war within ourselves. And the enemy, the devil, he is a cruel master. He promises so much, but when we give in, he doesn't deliver 
the Word of God reminds us, it sobers us, that there is no price too great to pay in our struggle against sin. So help us, God. Amen? Let's keep going through Hebrews 12. Let's read together. This is the main chunk, the main passage we're going to be looking at today, starting with verse 5. And have you forgotten? So remember, he talks about the cloud of witnesses, looking to Jesus, be encouraged, run the race, and then in your struggle against sin, you haven't resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. And then, so that's the standard. And then verse 5. I just want you to be aware of the context. Verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Punishes, right? Disciplines every son whom He receives. Seven. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the time, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is the Word of God. Guys, all of us as Christians are going to experience discipline from God in our lives. And, and that time, it's not, it's not pleasant, but it is essential for our sanctification, for our spiritual growth, for our maturity in Christ Himself. Discipline is God's way of purifying us through difficult times, through very challenging times. And guys, it really matters how we go through that discipline, right? It's not just, it, you don't just need to go from point A to point B just like a piece of meat getting whipped. No, it's, it matters what your soul is like on the inside as you, we are receiving the discipline. If we, are, if we embrace it, then we will be much better off, much faster. But if we run from it, if we try to run away, try to resist it, we will hurt ourselves even more. That's kind of the main point of this passage that we're going to dig into. So let's see what the Word of God has to say about discipline. Next slide. There you go. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Next fill in the blank, guys. Discipline is a sign of legitimacy. It's a sign of legitimacy. That means you're a real child of God, a real son, a real daughter of God. 
And in the moment, I understand it doesn't feel that way, right? I remember when I was a little kid, and me and my friends, we, you know, we had Russian school on Thursdays, and then we'd hop out of the back window, jump off the shed, this was at Solano, and run through the field, jump over, go to the Mexican store, right? And then we'd get caught by Babka Vierka. what are you doing, you know? And, and then she'd tell our parents, and my parents would get me in trouble, right? And I'd be like, hey, but it wasn't even my idea. It was Bob's and Susan's idea, right? And, and blaming all these other people, and they said, I don't care. I don't care whose idea it was. You are my kid. And I care only about you. And so I would always get punished. Not my friends. They would never touch my friends. Maybe sometimes they'd tell the other parents as a heads up. But I was the one that got disciplined. No matter how little or how much I participated. Because they love me. Because they're invested in me and my future. And how I end up growing up. And you guys, you will only realize this when you, become, when you will become parents, Lord willing, one day. But truly, the discipline, the disciplining of your child hurts you as much, if not more. Just seeing your kid cry, seeing your kid just be in this distress, you're like, I don't want to cause you pain. I just have this infinite love towards you and I just want to do everything to make you happy. And here you have to discipline. Guys, think about it this way, just to help you understand. If discipline, if disciplining a child was easy emotionally, then the Word of God would not constantly encourage and command it, for example, in the book of Proverbs, right? Like, if there's things we do not, like we breathe, it's natural, right? The Word of God doesn't say, breathe in, breathe out, right? Breathe in. It doesn't say that. It knows we're going to do that. It only commands us and encourages us to do things that are naturally hard for us in our sinful human state. It's really hard. And that's why Proverbs constantly says, discipline your son. Discipline him. Use the rod. Reprove your son. You're going to save his life. You're not going to kill him by whipping him. In fact, you're going to save his life by whipping him, by preventing him from doing something that is wrong. Guys, it's hard. It's emotionally painful. But it's the right thing to do because you understand if I don't correct this behavior, this is going to lead down a path that's going to ultimately hurt my kid even more. And the parents that don't discipline their children, and I'm going to, this is for you guys, parenting advice, right? If you don't discipline your children, what you're doing is you're being selfish because you're like, my I don't want to be emotionally distressed by disciplining you, so I'm going to let you continue down your path of sin and foolishness and error so that I don't bother, so I don't have to go through the pain of correcting you and getting you on the right path again. Just to give an analogy, imagine you're standing and there's a cliff a mile away and your kid's just like walking towards the cliff, right? And you understand, they're going to fall off the cliff, they're going to come up to the cliff, they're going to fall off. What are you going to do? You're going to go run, grab them, right? But you know, if you're going to grab your toddler, they're going to scream. And it's going to be a high-pitched noise, and they're going to be upset at you for about an hour. And the parents that won't discipline their children are going to be like, my ears are really sensitive. I can't hear the screaming. I don't want to hear the screaming. 
Like, and by the time they fall off the cliff, I won't hear anything, so it'll be okay, right? But that, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. But that's literally what's happening. And our Father, guys, I'm sure that God feels the pain that He brings upon us more than even we feel it. Because believe me, God feels the pain. God feels that discipline that He inflicts upon us for our good more than even we feel it. He does. His heart breaks when He has to do it. He doesn't rejoice. He doesn't smile sadistically. Oh yeah, I love this part. No. Guys, He wants us to be happy. He does. We're His kids. He loves us. He gave up everything for us. He doesn't want to do it, but He knows He needs to. And that's why we're disciplined. So the fact that we are being disciplined by God, guys, I want to encourage you. The fact that you are being disciplined, the fact that you go through hard times is proof that we are actually His children. Because a person would not put themselves through that emotional pain of, of disciplining someone who isn't their child, someone they don't even care about. There's someone else's kid. I don't care. I don't care what's going to happen to their future. They have their parents to care for them. Not that I don't personally don't care. I'm just exaggerating. So we are to be encouraged. Guys, if you are going through the thick of it, be encouraged. This is a stamp of legitimacy from God. Next slide. Verse 9. Next slide, guys. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father, or be subject, another, another word could be submit to, the Father of spirits and live, for they discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. You see, the earthly fathers discipline their children according to what seems best to them, right? It's like, I think this is going to be best for them, so I'm going to do this. So, meaning they have earthly fathers, we have the right intentions, but that doesn't mean that it will actually lead to what is best. It's what we think is best. So, both God and earthly fathers have the same intentions, but the difference is God, the Father, actually not only has the same intentions, but He also knows. He also has the power to truly bring about which is good for us. God, being infinite in His wisdom, infinite in His power and resources, is able to discipline us actually for our good, for our actual good. That means that you can be confident that what you are experiencing in your life right now from God is actually for your good. Guys, actually for your good. You can have that comment. Not just what God thinks is for your good. No, it's actually for your good. And that's why Romans 8, 28 can be true. And we know that for those who love God, what, guys? 
all things. Do what? They do what? Work together for good. All things, guys. All things. And you know, sometimes we... You guys ever make a decision, like buy something, you know, or whatever, some other decision, and you think like, was that a good decision? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was a good decision, right? That thing is just laying around and everything, and you know, I used it once. But when it comes to the decisions of our Father to discipline us, there is no doubt that is actually good for us. You can have assurance of that. So guys, let's stand up and high-five each other right now. Stand up, everyone. Stand up. Let's go to the next slide while we're at it. Next slide. All right, let's sit down. Sit down. All right, guys. Did that help? Okay. So, the reason he disciplines us is so that we may share in his holiness. That's the good. It says he disciplines us for our good. What does that good specifically look like? That us sharing in his holiness. That's what's good. And the question is, is holiness important, guys? Why is it important? Verse 14. If we read verse 14 right there, it says, Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Meaning, if we are not being made holy, we will not see the Lord, guys. We're not going to be saved. This is not just a, a nice feature for super Christian people, right? The super Christian people, they're holy, and they get like an extra, a double crown in heaven. And then there's the average Christians, they're, they're not that holy, and they're going to get into heaven. No, guys, without the holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that should terrify some of us in this room. You will never see the Lord if your life doesn't change. And we know that this isn't talking about perfection. It's not. It's talking about sanctification. It's talking about the process of being made holy. We read in 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. How? Through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. We are saved through sanctification, through the process of being made holy. And I love how John Piper clarifies this. He says, sanctification, the process of being made holy, does not replace our justification. Meaning, when we believe in Christ, he says, you are now justified. Your sins are washed away. Sanctification does not save us by replacing our justification, but it saves us by confirming our justification, meaning if we have believed in Christ and He has given us His righteousness, we will be sanctified. And that sanctification will prove and confirm that we have already been justified. 
Next slide, verse 11. For all moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Guys, this is what discipline is. It's painful right now, but it's amazing later, right? It's like exercise. It's very unpleasant. People pretend like they like exercise baloney, right? No one likes it. Everyone just likes the thought of it. And it's good. It's good to tell yourself you like it, right? Uh, to make you keep doing it more. But you feel great after, don't you? You feel great for the rest of the week because you did that. Whereas sin is the complete opposite, right? You feel great in that moment. It's so tasty. It's so good. And then you feel like trash after. It's like junk food, right? Moment on the lips, forever on the hips, right? It's, it's never going to leave, right? But guys, in all seriousness, sin will make us pay ten times more than it gives us than what it gives us. And discipline, on the other hand, will pay us ten times more than what it costs us. That's why it says that God's discipline, it says later, notice it says later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Not right now, not immediately, not as soon as you're disciplined, but later. In other words, God's discipline, guys, is an investment. That's what it is. God's discipline is literally an investment. It's something that later will bring something so awesome. It will bring the fruit of righteousness. This hardship that you might be experiencing right now will ultimately bring us peace forever. It will bring us the joy of being in the presence of God forever. It will bring what Peter calls in his epistle the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Guys, God's discipline in your life is the best investment in your life, whether you realize it or not. Forget stocks, forget crypto, forget all of that. God's discipline is the greatest investment because it is producing in you holiness which will last for all of eternity. Next slide. Verse, 13, verse 11 says, to those who have been trained by it. To those who have been trained by it. Guys, notice it's not, the discipline isn't just a one-time thing. It's a one-time event. Oh, I remember one time God disciplined me. No. You know, we don't come to basketball practice, come dribble, shoot it once, and the coach is like, great job. You're good. Go home. You're, you're done. You're ready for the game, right? We understand that's silly. That's not how it works. That's not how training works. Training is what? It's repetitive. It's constant. It's persistent. Almost nagging in a way. It's slow, but it's steady. Even sometimes it's boring. Oftentimes unnoticeable. But there is improvement. Slowly, but steadily. So guys, don't be surprised that you're constantly being disciplined. Because the Word of God itself says that you need to be trained by it. Not a one-time event. You, right? It can be discouraged. 
You can be discouraging, right? When you're like, again, like, when am I going to learn my lesson? When are things going to get easier? Just going and going and going, and I can't seem to catch a break. It's discouraging. But don't be. Because the Word of God reminds us that we must be trained by it. If you are weary of discipline, if you're weary of the fight and the struggle, guys, I truly, I truly mean this as an encouragement. Embrace the suck. Embrace it. I know, it, I know it's hard. I know it's painful rather than pleasant. But it will yield that peaceful fruit of righteousness if you've been trained by it. Training does not come through one-time events. But the real benefit kicks in much, much later. Next slide. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. So you guys remember we talked about therefore, right? Therefore. So because thing one is true, therefore do thing two. So the question is, what's the thing one here? What's thing one? What's the ground, if you want to use proper terms? Discipline yielding righteousness. Yes. That it's for our good, right? That discipline is a sign of legitimacy, that you are actually children of God if you're being disciplined. All these things, all these good things about discipline are the thing one. He says, and because discipline is good for you, guys, therefore, because of that, on, on the basis of that, do what? What's thing two? What should we do? Say it. That's all I heard, guys. One more time. On three. One, two, three. There you go. You guys are right. I know you weren't certain, right? Like, maybe I'll say it wrong. No. You're right. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Guys, we are to be encouraged by our discipline, by our hardships. We are supposed to be energized, strengthened, pumped up. That's the right biblical response. Next slide. Next slide. And why should we be encouraged? Why should we be strengthened? So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You see, having the right perspective, the biblical God's perspective on the discipline that we experience, it encourages us, it gives us strength, it helps us walk straight, for the purpose of being healed spiritually. Do you guys see that connection? The right view of discipline encourages us, strengthens us, and when we are strengthened, that helps us heal spiritually. That helps us heal. You see, guys, look at verse 13. It says, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. So, Meaning lame, lame means like, you know, when your leg is lame, you can't walk on it. So he's saying right now, when you feel that pain, when you feel some kind of discipline, something's lame, right? If something's lame in your leg, you're walking with a limp. 
And so it's lame, that's your state. And there's two ways that it can go. It can either be put out of joint, meaning it can get worse, or it can be healed. So you're feeling the pain, you have a body part that's lame, and, and now you're, you're at a decision point, right? You're at a crossroads. Are you going to just be put out of joint altogether? Or are you going to be healed? And that's what happens when we are disciplined. When life gets hard, guys, we can either, one, this is your fill in the blank, give up, or we can embrace God's discipline so that we may be healed. I'm going to say that again. When being disciplined, we can either give up or we can embrace God's discipline so that we may be healed. Guys, when you are going through that punishment, through that discipline from God, that, that difficult time, you could just say, I'm, I'm throwing my, I, my, let, my hands, they're down. I'm not strengthening my knees. And what's going to happen is you're going to be put out of joint. Meaning it's going to get even worse. It's going to become even more painful for you. Or you can embrace it. You can be encouraged. You can strengthen yourself knowing the truth about the discipline. And your process of healing will begin. You see, when we stray, when we start getting into sin, when we have room to improve, God begins to discipline us. And it hurts, right? And we can either accept the discipline and say, thank you, Father, and begin our recovery. We can embrace it and strengthen ourselves or we can forget God's grace in our discipline and be even more discouraged and things will become worse. I remember when I was in college, I was on a, uh, you know, I rode a little bicycle to, to Sac State and it was winter, December, and I had thin tires and there's a bunch of leaves and I'm driving and you can already predict what's going to happen and I turn and I fall, boom, on my wrist. And it was painful, blah, 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 whatever, got to class my wrist hurt, and you know what happens when you're that age, you get hurt, you're like, oh, this is going to go away in a couple of days, right? Well, it didn't go away. A week passed, two weeks, then weeks turned into months, months turned into years. It just never went away. Like, it, it, I still had that pain, right? And in fact, it got even worse because a bump grew on my wrist. And like, literally, you could see the bump. And what the bump is, I know this is disgusting, but it's called a ganglion cyst. Meaning what happens when you fall on your, on your joint, a little bit of fluid escapes out of your joint and your body's like, uh, error. This, is, uh, this fluid should not be here. It's a foreign body. And what it does is it builds like a sack around it, right? And so now like my range of motion is limited because I have this like lump inside my wrist and it hurts, and I start using my 
prop my hand less, right? And every now and then that sack would pop and it would hurt even more, right? And then it would grow back after a month or two. Very bad. Do not ride your bicycle in the rain, okay? On leaves. But what would happen is it would grow back, it would put more pressure onto my wrist and it would keep hurting. And eventually after, I don't know why it took me so long, probably a good six years or something. You know, like, I should probably see someone. You know, I have health insurance. <laughs> so I go and see a hand therapist. And after looking at everything uh, for the first time, her theory was that, hey, it's, it's not actually the cyst, the bump that's causing you pain. The problem is when I hurt my wrist, it hurt so I naturally used it less, right? And I started using my, I started opening cans with my left instead of with my right, right? Uh, and, and all these different actions, micro actions, and I started using it less and what happened is my right hand actually became weak and the muscles became weak in my hand and, because, and it got so weak that I would continue to re-injure myself. And that's why the pain never went away. And so she gave me some exercises to do, and they were like lame, like literally like, uh, you know, like this, like silly, boring. She gave me some silly pudding I had to, you know, with my hands like this. My hands would get all orange, and I'm like, this is so annoying, and I have to do this multiple times a day. Like, ah, I, like, I literally wanted to quit. Um, and she's like, no, just keep doing them, keep doing them. And it, and it didn't change anything. It didn't feel different at all. It's like I'm just doing these exercises, putting my hands together, applying some pressure. And yeah, I was like, man, this is such a waste of time. Like, why did I even see this lady? But I just kept at it. And then after a few months, I noticed my wrist doesn't hurt as much. It still hurts, but not as much. And one time when we were in Mexico last year, um, I was sleeping on my wrist. I guess I slept bad. And I wake up and I've got this crazy pain. And I looked, the bubble popped again, and there's like fluid, you know, and it hurt for like three days. And I'm like, oh man, it's gonna grow back again, you know, this and that. And so I waited a week, I waited two weeks, waited three weeks, nothing. Didn't grow back. I waited four, and then on week five, nothing happened again. And guys, I still don't have my cyst, it's gone, right? Yeah, praise God. What I thought was going to be a permanent injury for the rest of my life is gone. I don't have pain in my wrist anymore. My, my wrist has been strengthened and it has been healed. Guys, and it's the same exact thing with our souls. If we get that discipline, like, oh, that hurts. I'm going to just avoid it. I'm going to run away from that. I'm going to run away from that. It's only going to become, going to be placed out of joint. It's going to become even worse. But if we embrace knowing this is from our Father, for our good, for our holiness, if we lean into it and say, God, I trust you. Dad, I trust you. Help me. Help me be patient. Help me endure. Help me go through this well. Help me lean into this. It will give you strength. You will lift your drooping hands. You will strengthen your weak knees. You will make straight paths for your feet. And you will be healed.
This is the promise of Scripture, guys. Don't run from God. Don't run from His prescribed treatments for you. Embrace it. Accept it. Love it. And you will begin to heal. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that this is hard. And I know you don't ever inflict discipline upon us out of a love to see us experience pain. Lord, no, you, you love us and you want our ultimate good. And I pray for every soul out there that's going through a dark time right now, through that discipline, help them. Help them trust in You. Lord, and I pray that all of us, we would trust in You, that we would lean into it, Lord, that I would practice what I preach. Help us embrace it. All for Your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, Amen.